I'm Keith. And I'm John. And this is Flumadiddle. Your somewhat reliable source of information for most things, John. Most things, Keith, including, but not limited to, some fun guys. Some fun guy. And let's just oh, get this guy. out of the way. Well, I mean, we're fun guys. We're fun guys. And we're here. We're here. But also fun guys. Fun guy, as That's opposed to a fun gus. Yeah. There you go. Well, Keith, here's the thing. More specifically, we're going to hit on the fun guy, but we're going to more specifically talk about mushrooms. And, you know, interestingly enough, Keith, there is apparently some question of how to pronounce that word, the fun guy. Some people say fungi, but we don't say fungus. I didn't know some people say fungi. So, yeah, fungi. Fungi. We're going with fun guy. Yeah. We're breaking that flumadiddle. We're I don't going know with who those fungi. people are, but they're nuts. All right, Keith. Okay. Like I'm excited to dive into this. I've already decided that I'm going back to college. All right. And I'm going to be a mycologist. A mycologist. PhD, Doctor Guthrie, mycologist. Keith, there do you, you know go. what that is? That's the study of mycologist. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about my mycology. <laughs> I don't All right. know why that That's my the head. who. All right. <laughs> so let's let's give a definition, Keith. We're going to get scientific here. And then we're going to break it down like Gadsden style. All right. All right, so here's a proper definition of a fungus, Keith. Any of a kingdom, which we're going to hit on, of saprophytic and parasitic spore-producing eukaryotic, is that right? Eukaryotic, Close enough. yeah. Typically filamentous, which we're going to hit on, organisms formerly classified as plants, but, Keith, interestingly enough, are actually closer to animals. And plants oh, wow. that lack chlorophyll. Dropping a bomb on me bomb. already. Drop the bomb on you, baby. And includes molds, rusts, mildews, smuts. Smuts. Mushrooms and yeasts, Keith. I like that word, smut. Smut. You smut. <laughs> That's Don't the word, be watching That's the that word for the day, John. on TV. Already. Smut. I want to do that deep like a... Like it's a live band. You remember back in the day, like coming to the Von Braun Civic Center. Yeah, there you go. Smut. That does, that's a good band name. <laughs> Smut. That would be like a good kind of <laughs> drony metal band, I think. There you go. All right, man. So here's the thing. So fungus. We're going to dive into that deeper. But I want to throw out this idea of the filamentous. All right. So there's these little things called hyphae. All right. Which are tiny tubular filaments that grow through within or through and within, whatever the fungus is feasting on, Keith. Because here's the important thing. Oh, wow. Fungi do something. They perform an incredibly important function in our environment. What's that, John? They feast on the deceased remains of almost all organisms on Earth, Keith. Oh. And convert that back into soil through which new things, new living things can grow. So decomposition. Decomposition, Keith. So is that, is that the only thing going on in decomposition, or is bacteria involved too, right? Yeah, we will get, that's a whole oh, other yeah, podcast. A whole, that's a different podcast, because right. we're not talking about bacteria. So the idea of these hyphae, but these hyphae basically become this interwoven mass, and that's the mycelium. Okay, there okay. you go. Now, I've so heard that, that word before. All right. You finally caught up with my brain. All right, all so right. this is the underground vegetative portion okay. of a fungus. Yeah. And what we're going to be talking about, the mushroom... It's actually like the kind of like the flower so of the, the particular mycelium, mycelium, which is underground. Yes, uh, generally want, speaking, I want people to catch this now. The underground portion of the mushroom is actually the flower of the fungus. Wow, or is the, the fungus, mycelium, yeah, and the mushroom is similar. So, what are mushrooms then, Keith? 
So all mushrooms are fungi, but are not all fungi are mushrooms. Right, yeah. Okay. So for that. those fungi, not all fungi, I said fungi. <laughs> fungi as opposed to fungi. fungi. You can say that too. That's another way to say it. Yeah. So, but I generally, well, it doesn't matter. Fungi, fungi, fungi. Exactly. So, tomato, tomato. Okay. All right. So, for the fungi that produce them, the mushroom plays a similar role to a flower or the fruit and plants, right? All right. So, the part of each mature mushroom produces microscopic what? You know this one, Keith. Spores. Spores. So, interestingly enough, the mushroom is kind of like the reproductive organ of the fungi. It is. Isn't it interesting that they, a lot of them look pretty phallic? They do, yeah. If you think about it that way. Oh, yeah. I've seen some in my yard. I was like, what the crap? <laughs> what is growing in my yard, man? <laughs> yeah. They look pretty. It's very, a fungi. They actually look it's very a fungi phallic. phallic. It's yeah. a fungi phallus. Mm-hmm. It's All right. So, the rest of the fungal organism, that big mycelium, like, lives typically in the soil, wood, or some other material. All right. So, the only part that appears above the ground is the fruiting body. And that's okay. what we call the mushroom, the fruiting body. Okay. Okay. So here's another interesting. I, I I like words, Keith. The conspicuous umbrella-shaped fruiting body, the sporophore. Sporophore. Of certain fungi, not all of them are fungi, typically of the order Agaricalis in the phylum Basidiomycota or Mycota, but also some other groups, properly termed mushroom, which is what we call the edible sporophore, so the ones that we can eat. And the term, interestingly enough, toadstool, Keith. What is toadstool. that? You know? I don't really. No. Well, it's generally reserved for yeah. the inedible or, or poisonous sporophores. Okay. I've heard the term toadstool, right. but I don't So let's take it back what it was. real quick. Just a little biological thing, and then we're going to move right. forward here. Let's do it. All right. So I didn't remember any of this, Keith. Let's take it I don't back think I've had biology history. since like third grade or seventh grade or whatever. I think in yeah. third grade we started biology. I had one in college, and I just memorized and everything didn't learn nothing. In 10th so. grade, yeah, I had, like, anatomy. Yeah. And But as far as just straight-up biology, well, at the very top, Keith, you know what this is. What's at the very top of the classification level in biology? Um, is it starts it, with a D. Um, domain. Domains, Keith. Oh, I was guessing. So even my it. son, <laughs> yeah. who's smarter than both of us put together when it comes to this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Because they've just learned it, basically. So at the very top, you've got archaea, bacteria, and eukarya, or eukarya, which includes mushrooms and other single-cell organisms that keep their DNA inside a nucleus. Okay. Well, that's pretty broad, right? That would include us. Yeah, right. All right. But mushrooms specifically... We're going to keep going down a little further down the chain. Below the domain are the kingdoms. Right. All right. So the eukarya domain includes eukaryotes or organisms that have a membrane-bound nucleus. We already said that. And so this is where the, what's called the kingdom come in. And you know what? Interestingly enough, I think back when we were in school, they said there were five kingdoms. Oh, yeah? Now there's other classifications. Some say there's four. Some say there's six. Some say there's seven. Some say there's eight. So it's not a lockdown so thing. Just depending on who you speak to, they've either taken one away or added several. Exactly. Okay. Kind of like the intelligences thing. If y'all listen to our other podcast episode, you remember when we did the intelligences? Yeah. And that would vary between what, like seven and eight and yeah. nine, and depending on who you ask. It's, it's hard to classify God's creation, man. And, it is, you know, I mean, indeed. You think you got it, and then a little platypus comes up, and you're like, what the crap is that? Speaking you know? of God's creation, Keith, yeah. I 
as we get older, sometimes it's easy to lose our sense of awe and wonder. Yeah. Like we've seen it all, Keith. You, you're working all week. Your knee's hurting. Your foot's hurting. You get a back surgery. You get the COVID. You got a pandemic going on. It's easy to lose sight of some of the just amazing, fabulous, incredible things in this world, Keith. Yeah. But I have been blown away, Keith, by fungi and mushrooms. Well, good. And so that's why I'm going to be Dr. Guthrie, mycologist, MD. And we had Except a, not really PhD. We, just last night, man, we had like a super moon, and I was blown away by that. I that's like, awesome, man, man. Just all these things and creation, you know. So let's throw this out real quick, Keith. Start. Yeah, I've got you a list there. Throw out starting at the uh, top one right here. What's the, right. It, it, let, we're just going to go with this number of kingdoms. We're going with one, two, three, four, five, six. Archaic bacteria. Right, that's like archaic. Yeah. Ancient bacteria. Old stuff. Yeah. bacteria, which is true bacteria. All right. Protista. Protista. We're going to skip the next one. All right. And we're going to go down to... Plantae. I guess that ought to be clear enough. Figure that one out. Yeah. And the last one. Animalia. All right. Let's get back to the next kingdom. Fungi. Okay. Such as mushroom and mold survive by eating other organisms or the remains. They absorb their nutrients through those organisms. Okay. All right. So let's pause right there now. All right. Let's do it. Because I want, I want people to realize this. Fungi is a kingdom like animals and plants. Yeah, it's a whole and thing. And so people probably think that they are a plant. A lot of people do. And they're not. They're not a plant. They are separate than a plant. They're a separate kingdom. I just wanted to make sure we pause and let the people know that. John, Let's do it. I let mean, the that, that is eye-opening for that some That is flumadiddle busting, Keith. It is. That's flumadiddle busting. And you know what, Keith? Speaking of just uh, random stuff that flies out of your head, <laughs> I've just had the people of Ireland come to my mind. Did you? So, people of Ireland, people of Alabama, people of wherever you are, I would love people California, to get in touch with New us. York. California, New York. All these places. I would love it if people would send us photos of their native fungi. Oh, yeah. Because we got That'd some cool, cool ones going around here. That's for sure. We really do. I've got one that grew out the, of my yard. Go ahead, Keith. I know You're you about go ahead. Well, here's what happened, man. So an interesting thing about fungi is that about 90% of the plants mm-hmm. that we see and have and have a symbiotic relationship with fungi. Okay. That where fungi kind of attach to their roots yeah. and perform an almost placenta-like kind of function okay. they help the plant to absorb nutrients right now there are parasitic and, and devastating yeah. destroying fungi mm-hmm. and one of those destroyed about a 70 year old magnolia tree in our yard oh really yes before uh, amanda and i got married she was helping out in the yard those big magnolia leaves god they're a pain in the rear to, i was about to say to, yeah and she the rake, only bad thing about them is mowing under them. Or, mowing yeah. under them or raking them up. Yeah. They get stuck in the rake. They're a pain. They're real waxy and thick. Very much thick. Yeah. Exactly. So she got out there with me, and she started raking one day. She raked up all those leaves rather than we putting them at the road. She didn't think about it. You do that on a pine tree a lot of times, mm-hmm. right? You rake up the pine straw around the roots, and it kind of just covers everything up, and it's good. Well, not so much with uh, magnolia leaves, Keith. Oh, really? So she raked all that up around the tree. And apparently, due to all that dampness and decay and moistness, it fostered the growth of some kind of fungi, which I am on a mission to find out what it is now. Oh. So over the course of time, it took two or three years, Keith, but I started noticing just the the backside of the magnolia tree started dying. The front side looked perfectly normal. You would have never wow. known there was anything, but the backside started browning, the leaves started falling. So you think it might be something underground, John? 
Oh, it's definitely underground. Oh, man. What if you got some truffles out there? We're going to talk about oh, some truffles oh, here in a little man. bit. Oh, yeah. man. That'd be awesome. Mm. Whatever it is, there's no doubt about it. It's underground still. Okay. Because the quick version is this. Over the course of a couple of years, backside of the tree dies. Front side starts wilting a little bit. Next thing you know, Keith, we start seeing little shelf-type mushrooms growing up the trunk. Mm-hmm. Sitting out there one day, about the top 45 feet of that tree just snaps off in the wind and falls across our yard. Oh, wow. And the interior, Keith, was the consistency of cork. Oh, wow. Yeah, it ate it up, huh? And now we get these big, bloomy mushroom things out in the yard about once or twice a year. I don't know what they are, but I'm determined to find out, Keith. Yeah. All right. So let's keep going. up, man. So most mushroom-producing fungi are members of the phylum Basidiomycota, or Ascomycota. And most of the well-known mushrooms that we're going to talk about are basidios. They include widely cultivated species like we talked about the button mushroom, which is, Keith, Agaricus bisporus. All right. We're going to talk more about that. Various oyster mushrooms and shiitake. Popular wild edibles, including the porcini and the chanterelles, Keith. All right. All right. That's some interesting names there, man. I'm going to keep going a little bit. You're and doing then, good, Then you've got your stuff you're going to fire up here in just a second. So by fresh weight, the common commercially grown mushroom, which you're going to hit on a little more later, is more than 90% water, less than 3% protein, less than 5% carbs, and 1% fat, and about mm-hmm. one more percent mineral salts and vitamins. So. Oh, I did. I, I remember one thing I was going to say. You're yeah, do it, man. Mushrooms that grow around here, the phallic ones you were talking about earlier that I said I saw growing out. Right. Even though they're phallic and looking, they actually are really pretty. They they were like bright red and orange, and they do look phallic. And then right. the, the, they're like in a group. Man, and have you seen those before? It's like a bright red phallic looking. Did they have the little white spots on them, or were they just red? No, they're like right. They were like red and orange. They're they're beautiful, really. Oh man, they are. The pictures I looked up were fascinating, man. The colors, the shapes, the amazing stuff. Some of it almost looked like it had hair growing on it. It was called like bear's mane. It's crazy, ain't it? Yeah, it's insane, Keith. So basically, what we're seeing again is the fruiting body, right? The sporocarp underneath the soil is the fungus. All we're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. So real quick. We all know this. We see the mushroom, and there's the universal veil. Yeah. That's the little bottom part just at the ground, right? The stalk sprouts up from this. Yeah. There's a partial veil, and then there's the what we call the cap, the cap. and the gills yeah. underneath. Yeah. And then the spores. And they don't do they all they don't all look like that though, right? They don't. That's, that's all, mainly well, like a what you'd see like a portobello. Well, you or, can actually determine what the mushroom is based on how these different parts look. Gotcha. Okay. And based on the spore pattern. Yeah. You can determine. So interestingly enough, Keith, before we move on to the next part, we're about to fire it over to you here in a second, is do you know, Keith, that they found now that the largest living organism in the world is a fungi? Is it? It is indeed, okay. Keith. There's suggestions that it could be between two and 8,000 years old, and it's a honey mushroom. Okay. And it's in Oregon. And you know how they found this out? They actually, like, when you see mushrooms in your yard, you don't know if it's from a different fungus or mycelium clump. But they did tests on this and got samples all over this area, and their DNA was exact. Oh, yeah. So they were able to tell it was from the same thing. I saw something like that about a forest, like trees being... In relation to one another, something like this. Is that the same so. thing? Yeah. Well, it's it's similar. similar I mean, trees may be a separate tree, but they are connected sometimes root-wise under the ground. It makes you think that Avatar's got it right. You know, like, 
Like we don't see it like they show it on Avatar, but a lot of this stuff's connected, you know. Well, absolutely, things Maybe. are interconnected. Mm-hmm. If we could just hook our tails to it, you know, see what's going on. <laughs> exactly, man. So it's in the Oregon Blue Mountain, and this thing, you know, where we previously thought the blue whale was the largest organism on Earth. Right. Keith, it's this the largest is, mammal. It is indeed. Or is that a mammal? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, yeah. Whales are mammals. But we actually <laughs> thought that, that was the biggest that living. That was a question. I was just seeing if you knew. I did. Yeah. I did. You got me. You almost yeah. got me. All right, there you go. There's a suggestion, Keith, that this thing is approximately 2,400 acres large. Okay. 2,400 acres, Keith. Wow. So the discovery of this giant. That's big. Armillaria oysteae mm-hmm. is amazing, Keith. <laughs> it's fabulous. Can you imagine something? It it takes up the size of almost seventeen hundred football fields. That's crazy. Old too, ain't it? Been around a long time. Long say time. Eight thousand years old. They're saying yeah, between three and eight thousand years old. That's they're, crazy. They're it's yeah. definitely more than a couple of thousand years old. So yeah, it'd be not only the biggest, but one of the oldest. One of the oldest. Yeah. Because there's some trees they think that were around. You know, that are still fifteen hundred, two thousand years old. Yeah. So, all right, man. So we're going to move on to the next part. So we told you what a mushroom is. We yeah. told you their general function is this idea of feasting on the deceased remains. They help break down the stuff that dies. Imagine if that didn't happen, Keith. I know. Kind of like, we like stuff like bats or insects. or snake. They all perform their role in the environment. Like, hey, if this bat didn't exist to eat all these insects or whatever, or this spider didn't exist. Yeah. So that's the idea of the delicate balance. Some people don't understand. Yeah. Sometimes... When it's you a circle see, of life, like a circle of life, said, man. You know? So if this little frog is gone from this creek, some people, ah, it's just a frog. Well, the problem with that is, is that this frog eats this insect, yeah, and that that insect eats that insect, and that yeah. animal above him eats that frog, yeah, and then so you don't want to mess it up. You, you have but to be careful with that balance. I, I did read somewhere though that a lot of scientists got together <coughs> and they did some research, try to figure out, and agreed. That if you were to kill off mosquitoes, that it would not uh, mess up the balance of anything. So right. I'm, I'm game with it. Let's kill them. Well, Let's I'm a peace-loving man, but so, if we can murder all the mosquitoes on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're parasites. Which we'll get to later again, Keith. <laughs> all right. So all tell right. us about mushrooms here. So how did we, Keith, I'll be honest with you, as fascinated and as geeky as I'm feeling about this, I cannot lie that Keith Clay is the one who got me interested in this to start with. He is the one that suggested this topic, Keith. Well, Shuggy got me interested in it. So, All right. So, and our, we're going to hit some. I got, I got some other stuff to share, but I'm going to let you take the mic and okay. do your thing for a while, and then I'll throw some stuff back in there later. All right. So you're talking about the usefulness of them, and so let's first talk about a little bit of the, the benefits that you can get health-wise from them, John. Okay. So can I interject there real yeah, quick? Yeah, go ahead. So man. when we're talking about usefulness, there's a number of things. Okay. From water filters and textiles and building materials even, but we're specifically wanting to talk about mushrooms now as the delicious thing that most of us know them as yeah. is food. Yeah, food. Now, did right. you do some research on some of the textiles, stuff like I that? I didn't get okay. dive too deep okay, in that. Good. I got some comments, but, but I wanted to throw it out. Let's just say then that we know they can be used for different things They like can that, be right? used for a lot of different things, and that's um, a whole rabbit hole yeah, to go down Yeah, but most of us, when we think of mushrooms, we, we think, think of, of edible mushrooms. Absolutely. You know? So that's kind of where we got started with this app. So there right. was 17 different studies, John, done over the course of 54 years that showed that approximately two mushrooms or maybe an eighth of a cup because mushrooms are 
differently shaped, as we've sure. already mentioned. So about an eighth of a cup or two mushrooms, depending on what you're talking about. Decrease the risk of cancer. And now that's per day, you know, about an eighth cup or two mushrooms right. per day. Decrease the risk of cancer by as much as 45% due to ergothenionine. I don't, don't even say it twice. I can't even make fun right. of that. You did it. So an amino acid is what that is, and it's found in um, mushrooms. Right. Amino. I may have said amino. I think I said amino. <laughs> I mean, I, I nailed that other word and then say amino. Right. Amino acid. Amino. Correct. Is what that is, and it's found in mushrooms. So you can decrease your risk of cancer by 45% by eating daily mushrooms, John. Ain't that crazy? That's a, that's a good bit. 45% is nothing to, to, stop, to balk at, right? I no, mean, it's nothing to balk at. I wouldn't dare balk at the mushroom percentage yeah. of that. <laughs> All right, so how about a couple of cups a week? I mean, if you're eating an eighth of a cup a day, you're going to get up to a couple cup, cups a week, right? Right, sure. I didn't do the math, but I'm sure you would. Oh, and, at least. Um, so just a couple cups a week can reduce the risk of mild cognitive impairment by up to 50%. Now, what is mild cognitive impairment, John? Do you know? I'm thinking like your basic forgetfulness as yeah. you get older, that mm. kind of stuff. Not, not we're not talking about serious like necessarily Alzheimer's or vascular dementia. No, that's not but, mild. Yeah, that would but be just serious. mild, just the hey, oh, I forgot this or forgot that kind of stuff as we get older. Right. You know, maybe if you're trying to do your bills and you just can't quite get that math right or something. You know, right. we have a little bit of that, <clears throat> and as you get older, it gets worse. Right. You know, forget where you put your keys, stuff like that, and uh, so up to fifty percent. That's a, that's a significant difference. That is very significant, Keith. All right. So another thing, John, that we need a lot of is vitamin D, right? Yeah. And generally, you have to be out in the sun to get that, Keith. Absolutely. And here's the thing. This is one of the foods you can eat that will actually give you vitamin D because, John, it absorbs it from the sunlight. Okay. It's one of the, the rare foods that absorbs vitamin D from the sun, and then you eat it and you Except get that vitamin for us. D. Yeah. And if we're not out in the sun, then hey. Right, absolutely. Because it's 105 degrees heat index. Yeah. yeah. And so the health benefit of that is obviously like strong bones and stuff sure, like that. absolutely, you know? man. Um, so also the main carbohydrate in mushrooms is a polysaccharide, which promotes healthy bacteria in your stomach. Oh, that's um, good. So it resists it, it resists the stomach acid to actually reach the colon too, John, which is good because most uh, healthy bacteria don't, and so this this one actually does. All right. And so it uh, promotes healthy bacteria even in your colon, John, which is important as well. Uh, so we already mentioned vitamin D. It also they also contain vitamin B six and psyllium, which are macronutrients that uh, help with your immune system. So you got your immune system, your strong bones, reducing the risk of mild cognitive impairment, reducing the risk of cancer. I mean, it's just a lot of health benefits just for eating a couple mushrooms a day. I mean, it's that much, really. Just chop them up, put them in your food. Absolutely. You know, you know a lot more about the flavor than I do, but I mean, they pretty much just absorb the flavor of what you're eating. They do. You're talking about a lot of these. You use a little olive oil, a little butter and fresh garlic or something, a little pinch of salt maybe. You're good to go. And another health benefit too, John, is some people like to use them to substitute meat because meat, you know, especially red meats can be bad for you. Um, you know, lean meats are okay, but, you know, red meats can be bad for your heart and stuff like they that. They can. And so um, it's got a real meaty texture to it. Especially if you get the bigger, like the portobellas, that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people grill. It's right, kind of like yeah. a meaty type substance to it. Yeah, absolutely, man. So there's one of the great benefits. Uh, now, we're going to go into the 
the next part that I had studied, or you want to go back to your Yeah, stuff? let me throw this in okay. real quick, because this is going to lead into what you're doing. So okay. interestingly enough, I'm sure in bigger cities that you could find a very wide variety of mushrooms, and you're going to talk some about that. We've talked about truffles and morels, and we'll hit on some of that stuff. Yeah. But did you know, Keith, that a lot of the famous types of mushrooms that we eat, cremini, button, and portobello, we hear of that, we hear of baby bellow, do you know that those are all the same mushroom, Keith? Oh, really? A portobello, there's no difference between a button, a the button, little white a ones, and yeah. a portobello, except for this, Keith. They and, are, uh, what was the other word? Cremini. Cremini. I hadn't heard all that right. before. So okay. the, they're all button the agaricus yeah. bisporus. Okay. In fact, Keith, they're just different ages. So the white button mushrooms that we eat most often, we'll see yeah. them at the store, right? Just your basic mushrooms in the pack. Sometimes they're sliced. They're the toddlers. Right. The cremini mushrooms are brown, are the teenagers. Okay. And the portobellos, which are brown in much larger versions, are the adults. Okay. So creminis, if you've ever seen the smaller brown mushroom, they'll call them baby bellas sometimes. Baby bellas. That's the cremini. So you got the toddlers, the teenagers, and the big daddies. Okay. So before I throw it back to you, and you're going to talk about the you know, the growing the mushrooms, which is what we're getting into. Okay. So this particular mushroom accounts for about 90% of the mushroom production in the U.S., making it an almost $1 billion industry. Wow. So as the mushrooms mature, they lose some of their water content, which make the portobellas the most flavorful of the bunch, followed, of course, by the creminis and then the buttons. Yeah. So interestingly enough, Keith, the average American consumes more than two pounds of mushrooms each year. Okay. We already mentioned that... Which, I mean, according to what I was saying, it probably needs to be a little more than that, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Two pounds definitely. is really not for a whole year. So the mushrooms, you know, we already mentioned they're more closely related, really, to the animal kingdom than they are to plants. Yeah. We already mentioned that. And just one little fact before I throw it over to you, which you're going to talk about the growing and the possibilities there. Okay. A single portobello mushroom can contain more potassium than a banana. Potassium. I didn't throw that one in there. Yeah. So, boom. Absolutely. All right, Keith, take it back over. I wanted to throw that in there because the mushrooms that you mostly see at the store are those buttons, the baby bellas or carminis, and the portobello. Now, okay. in other places, I know there's, you know, bigger towns, there's lots of fancier mushrooms that we don't get around here. Yeah. And even sometimes in some of the Chinese food, interestingly enough, there's a place in Oxford that makes some amazing hot and sour soup. Mm-hmm. And they're not just putting buttons in their soup. Oh, really? They've got several types of fungi oh, really? in there, and I don't know what they are, but they're freaking delicious. Yeah. So, so Keith, does it make you trippy? Is it? Nothing, is oh, it we, we'll, mention, we'll mention some psilocybin before we go. Okay. We'll hit on, hit on that, but Keith, I'm going to let you take back over. Okay. Tell us about the – the whole idea is we got into this because of the idea of growing mushrooms. Yeah, that's, so, that's what uh, Shuggy had mentioned to me is about – crops lucrative okay. crops yeah, how and, can and we he, influence, he had like, talked to me about, i think about garlic was the first thing he talked to me about and i got to looking it up and it, garlic wasn't actually all that lucrative and so i just that got me into the search what crops are lucrative you know um but so anyway mushrooms is a lucrative crop certain types anyway now we're talking about fungi today now the usefulness of fungi there's yeast there's mold you've talked about the usefulness of mold just in the in the in the on the earth, you know, the right. break, breaking down stuff. Yeah, uh, all of those things. Right, and then there's mushrooms, and then there's truffles and morels. Now, 
Yeast, obviously, we use that for stuff as well. Like oh, baking, yeah, beer making, beer lots making, of stuff. All kinds we wouldn't of stuff, have yeah. any of that without that. So, um, but the uh, the last three mushrooms, truffles, and morals are all things that you could sell, John, you and can make. grow and sell as yeah. crops. Yes, absolutely. So here's the thing: truffles, John, is actually the most expensive food in the world. Absolutely, the white truffle is the and most. You really expensive can't food grow those; are hard to grow. Those they are mostly are, yeah. foraged. We're gonna. Yeah, we're going to get into that. It, they are about 1600 to $4,000 a pound. That is nuts, man. That's a lot of money. But there's a reason why they're so expensive, like you said. They actually grow, John, underneath oak tree roots. Right. The, just think, imagine how hard that would be to even find and get to. So they, have, they train either pigs or dogs. To right. find them. What kind of pigs, Keith? Do you know? I got an interesting fact on that. I don't know. They are female pigs. Okay. And apparently the truffles put off a scent that is similar to male pig pheromones. I did not know that, John. So they're That's hunting good. around and they think, ooh, there's a big boy pig yeah. right there. Let me dig it up from underneath dig this tree. Dig him up under this tree. <laughs> He's dying under there. <laughs> he needs my love. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, but... Um, I mean, there's obvious reasons why that would be not be very lucrative. Oh, yeah. Because you got to really know what you're doing to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to have the right kind of tree. I think it's a type of oak tree. Um, you have to, you know, do it right. You actually have, you have to, to have the right kind of critter. The yeah, the mushroom critter, right? The well, the moral tree or the truffle critter. The truffle critter. And um, so the the right kind of spores, whatever it is, to put under there, and then you may not even get them if you don't do it right. Right. And oh, then yeah. it takes seven years for them to come up. Okay. So you're waiting seven years. So you're talking years. about kind of inoculating the soil to even grow. Right. To try to, gr- not just hunting up wild truffles, but right. if you're actually, actually trying to, a tree and trying to have, inoculate yeah. the ground yes. and do yeah. all that. Okay. Gotcha. So obviously that's a lot of work. For for me and you, John, and the average listener out there, it's not That's way beyond plausible. our scope. Right. No, yeah. can't do it. So the next most expensive um, fungi, John, is a moral. You mentioned those. They're approximately $50 a pound. So a lot, lot, lot less than the white truffle okay. for sure. But, and there's other types of truffles, but you they you grow them in similar way. So we didn't right. mention those. But sure. uh, the moral now, some people have actually had some luck just growing them in their yard. They like make a sludge with the different mycelium and stuff. That, and they make this kind of sludge and they just throw it out in the yard, you know. And okay. they've had some luck with that. The thing is, though, is you're still only getting like, you know, let's say you get 20 or 30 morals and you're selling $50 a pound. No, you know, that's still not. not that very might, you might could do yeah. that to grow you some and, st- you know, to supplement your garden and have your own fresh mushrooms. Yeah, or if you really like morals and you're paying like 300 bucks for three of them, because $50 a pound is like what you would get wholesale for them, you know. Right. Sure. So, like, you know, you're paying $300 at a store for three morals. And you like them a lot, you won't, you don't want to pay that. So you might do that for yourself, but it's not a lucrative crop. All right. Now, the next <clears throat> most expensive one is the magic mushroom, which we talked about, psychedelic mushrooms. Right. But obviously there's some problems with that. Well, I mean, there it, is. It's illegal, you know. Uh, so you got to face uh, the possibility and call and we're, going to we're jail. We're definitely not encouraging anybody to grow those. Yeah. But I will say this, Keith, if I could just interject that. Yeah, go ahead. That may be something in the future because – a lot of that kind of went sideways in the 60s and 70s, and for a while it was not a legitimate topic of uh, academic research. Right. But uh, but I've talked to a friend of ours and kind of thrown out some news articles to this person, and 
looked up a lot myself, and there's a lot of current studies going on in terms of like psilocybin-based mushrooms, not for like psychedelic purposes, but, but for, that for anxiety yeah. and depression. When you take it in low doses mm-hmm. and it's very well managed, there's a lot of positive research that's going on that it can yeah. have very anti-addictive qualities. It can really help people with a lot of another, stuff. So there's a lot of scientific study going on with what we call magic mushrooms yeah, nowadays. Another podcaster out there, Tim Ferriss, is a big advocate of the uh, what you're talking about, mental health benefits of psilocybin. So yeah, yeah, he he takes them, I think, and he's he t- says and what that is is microdose. And right now, you know, if that ever becomes a thing where it's somehow FDA approved and you can quantify the amount you're taking, yeah, really well and do that, it, it, there's sh- there's great possibilities because you know I don't think God created some of the things that we have, you know, accidentally. Right. A lot yeah. of these things, if we know how to use them properly, yeah, things used in moderation in their proper way can be of great benefit. To well, us I mean, sometime. like opium can be abused, but when used correctly, but when it, it, when you've got a hospice killer. patient yeah, who's having breathing irregularities yeah. and difficulties and great pain, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah, we certainly wouldn't encourage anybody to no. do, that, do that. But it's it is but a fascinating even, field of research. Though. But here's the thing: a lot of illegal things you sell are very very lucrative. But the the truth of the matter is, even if you did want to fight the law, it's only about two hundred dollars an ounce, so it's about forty dollars a pound for these dried. So to go to jail, that's not worth. Yeah, that's, that's not, not worth, worth it that. at all. You know, so. grow you some. Uh, I mean, it's not worth it either way. But no, you definitely know, not. You're not even making a lot of money with it. Show ain't. But uh, all right, so all right, let's keep that going. brings me to the one that I would think would be because it's reasonable to grow, easy to grow, and makes you can make a decent amount of money is the oyster mushroom, John. Okay, the oyster mushroom. Yeah, the oyster key. mushroom. Oyster mushroom. Oyster mushroom. <laughs> Freshcap.com mushroom. is a great resource if you actually get interested in this and want to try to grow and sell mushrooms. Okay. okay? Right on. Um, really, the only thing you're going to be limited by, John, is your market. You know, Can you find the market for it? Okay. Because growing them and having them is not a problem. It's actually pretty easy. And that's why it's such a lucrative crop because you can grow 25 pounds, John, per square foot, and that's – um, six times a year. Okay. So that's a lot of mushrooms, right? It's a lot of per shrooms, square foot. Brother. Now listen to this: you sell that for you can sell them for approximately five to fifteen dollars a pound, depending on if you're selling them wholesale or resale. Now the reason why I say that is because if you get yourself your own store, you might want to sell them resale. You know, dry mushrooms. You put them on the Amazon market; they're already there. You, know, right. you look right sure. now, dry mushrooms on the Amazon market. So, um, um. Here's the thing. They can be dried and sold for around $30 a pound retail. Okay. So approximately five pounds of fresh is equal to about one pound dry. Yeah. You lose about a four. Same thing when I do my beef jerky key. Yeah. Four pounds to one quarter pound. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, a pound to a quarter pound is what you get when you dry stuff up usually. Right. So that's about, about what, $6 a pound. Uh, but the thing is, though, is, yeah, that may be on the low side. But then again, dried, you ain't got to worry about a lot. These mushrooms, oyster mushrooms, only keep for a few days, max. Right. And so moving the product would be way easier dried, right? So um, so if let's just say you're averaging between your fresh and your dried and all that, averaging $7 a pound, okay? okay. That's probably That's kind of on the low side, just to be safe. So that would be 25 pounds square foot is equal to 175 uh, pounds per square foot for the year. 
which is $17,500 for a 100-square-foot farm, which is a 10-by-10 area, John. Okay. They yield about six times a year. So per year, a 10-by-10 area can make you $105,000 a year revenue. All right. 10-by-10 area. That's like a shed. It's a shed. It's not that much room. And so that's why it's one of the most lucrative crops in the world. Oyster mushrooms can yield... But the thing is, now I said you'd have to find the market. You have you to know? find the market, and the they're market not super easy. I mean, there's there's some very big particularities for making this happen. Right. You know, it's kind of like speculating in terms of growing you'd have vegetables to perfect in your garden. It. And it, I, this is what I would suggest, John. And this is if if I ever get into it at all, this is how I'm going to get into it. Right. Buy you something just to to grow a few for yourself. Yeah, and see and if just you can expand, work that out. You know. Well, like, that's the say thing. say you figure out how to do one bag of them, and then you go on. To the next bag, and the next bag, and you just grow it, you know, until you you have yourself a little business, you know. Keith, I think of this. I've done a lot of music stuff over the years, live sound and mixing on a mixing board. So let's say you see this huge mixing board mm-hmm. that's like four feet wide, yeah, and you see just innumerable amounts of knobs and sliders and faders and stuff like that. But do you know if you've got a twenty-four channel board or a thirty-two channel board or a forty-eight channel board? Yeah. If you can work one channel, right. you can work 24 channels. That's right. Because the knobs and the faders and everything All the same are the same. Channel. Yeah. You just have to know that's a guitar, that's a bass. Now, how you treat the bass and the guitar and the vocal is going to be different. Yeah. But if you know that this knob does this and this slide does this, boom. So you I was know, telling my kids just yesterday and today about this person I knew who lived around here, John. Who was a multimillionaire. Right. And you know how he became a multimillionaire? He started sweeping sidewalks downtown for money. And then he went down to the next door and he offered to sweep their sidewalk for money. And then he went to the next door and, and, and so on and so forth. And then he hired some employees to sweep for him and got more places. Well, then he bought a sweeping truck that sweeps right. the parking lots. Well, then he took that money and he bought another sweeping truck. And then he bought a fleet of sweeping trucks. And before long, he's a multimillionaire sweeping. Just sweeping. Right. That's and so it. that's how you do it. You know, same thing with this. Don't start off trying to, to make you a 10 by 10 yeah, area. don't be too ambitious. You know, with the humidifier. Because when you start studying this stuff, you're going to realize that you have to have a certain humidity and all oh, these yeah. different it's, things. It's a pretty they're, deep yeah, situation to create not, the environment. They're not hard. It's not hard to do because a lot of people have done it. But there is a learning curve. So don't try to start off with yourself Lord, a huge there always form, key. you know. But anyway, I think it's a it, learning curve to be that'd be human interesting being for key. people to know, though, John, that you can actually... Make a decent amount of money selling mushrooms as long as you can find the market for it. That's the thing, man. Yeah. And interestingly enough, that's how we got fascinated about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a video I looked up, Keith. There yeah. was another guy that uh, that's how he got started. He thought, okay, I want to make some money off this stuff. Then psh, down the rabbit hole, Keith. Yeah, he got, he got real so fascinated about with it. the idea of fo- not only just making the ones that people can eat, but just the idea of foraging, Keith. What I was so enamored with is just the beauty, oh, yeah. especially of the mushrooms, you know, just the colors, the shapes, know, the sizes, right? yeah. the, just the, it's amazing, Keith. And here's something amazing. We have uh, had a picture on a previous podcast, like as a yeah. cover photo. It looked like a zombie ant. Yep. All right, Keith. I don't know. It was we did mind-controlling parasites. Yes, it was. And we mentioned that. 
I don't know if we ever called the name out on that particular parasite or not. No, we didn't, I don't think. I'm going to call it out today, Keith. All right, do it. If, I, if you can. Uh, hold on. It's I'm going to pronounce one. it like I know exactly what I'm talking you about. Just don't say correct it with confidence, me. John. Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. There you go. That's it. You nailed it. Commonly called the zombie ant fungus. Keith. Listen. Okay. So let's put it this way. So this ant- is your favorite fungus, John? It's just so interesting. I can't is, help but mention it just to close up the podcast. Okay. All right. So, I mean, you've got this little fungus that can infect an ant yeah. all the way to this huge fungus the size of 1,700 football fields. Right. It's crazy. How, how does it do that? How does it infect? All right. So here's what it does, Keith. <clears throat> First thing is this fungus has one goal only, self-propagation and dispersal. Mm-hmm. It wants to live and breed the end. Yeah. Well, that's what a, a lot of... Animals a lot of out stuff there do, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it infects a foraging ant through the spores. Mm-hmm. However they get that, you know, they're walking by something, boom, spore gets there, falls on them, whatever. That attach and penetrate the ant's exoskeleton and slowly take over the behavior. Which is amazing in itself. Like It's incredible, Keith. The I don't spores even know are how able that to happen. Penetrate, penetrate the exoskeleton of ants. And you know what's amazing? Is from what I read, ant colonies are highly... I mean, you, you know this. They're highly organized, mm-hmm. and they're highly susceptible. And if they feel like a worker ant has any kind of disease or issue or problem, they will run him off from the – or him or her or whatever they are. They will run them off from the colony to oh, keep yeah. others from getting infected. But the ants never know wow. that they have this. Okay. Thankfully, only a few at a time are infected because the environment tries to keep itself in a certain equilibrium. Right. All right. So it takes over its behavior. But interestingly enough, there's no indication that this particular fungus ever affects the brain. That's crazy. So it doesn't take over the brain. Apparently, it takes over the muscles and it directly controls the muscles minus the brain. Wow. All right. So as the infection advances, the enthralled ant leaves the nest for a more humid microclimate that's favorable for this fungus's growth. It's compelled. It's compelled, Keith. So is that a brain thing, or is that just muscle? Maybe it's... Right now, well, there's different ones. There's different ophiocordyceps. Okay. And so they don't know. Some of them might actually take over the brain. I got you. But this particular zombie ant fungus appears to take over the musculature. Oh, wow. It would be like... God, imagine... I don't know. I don't know, almost like a think of Stephen Hawking, who we've mentioned. His brain is not controlled by his disease, but his muscles and his limbs are. Yeah. You know? So it's almost like it controls the muscles and the limbs. All right? So the ant's compelled to leave and find a vantage point about 10 inches off the ground, sink its jaws into a leaf vein on the north side of a plant. Wow. And what? And just wait till it dies. Just wait. That's it. So the fungus feeds on its victim's innards. All right? Until it's ready for the final stage, and after the ants died, a fruiting body, which we've already talked about, what's the fruiting body of a fungus, Keith? Mushroom. Sprouts up through its head and turns its shriveled corpse into a launch pad for new spores, Keith. That's crazy. What in the world I know. is going on here? And when we did that episode, <laughs> we mentioned that a lot of this stuff is a lot like the movie Alien. Right, <laughs> right. right. The parasite grows and boom, the gut busters. Is that what they call it? Something yeah. like that. And Keith, I think we're going to turn this into the Flumma Mycological Podcast from now on. I could just do fun guy for <laughs> It was very interesting, John. This. I enjoyed it, yeah. All right, man. I'm John. So, and I'm Keith. And this is 
Fungo diddle. Fungo. <laughs> I got to get a high five on that. This is fungal diddle right here. That's the word for the day, fungal diddle. All right, do you flumadiddle at gmail.com and do you Please reach out if you've got a interesting fungus or mushroom that you'd like to send us a picture of. Send it to the email, do you at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll share it on our stuff. Grace and peace. Peace out.